The New York Roadrunners Set the Pace podcast is presented by our good friends at New Balance, the official apparel and footwear partner of New York Roadrunners and the TCS New York City Marathon. And hey, September 7th is a big day for our friends over at New Balance. The official TCS New York City Marathon collection drops on September 7th. You can go to newbalance.com to check out this year's official marathon gear including the new Fuel Cell Supercomp Elite V3 and all the awesome tees, jackets, and everything else you need to get psyched up and ready to go for November 7th. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Set the Pace, the official podcast of New York Roadrunners presented by New Balance. It's episode two. We're back for another one. Maybe you just listened to the first one. They dropped the same day. So, Hopefully you liked it. You decided to listen to another one. So we're thrilled to have you back. I'm Rob Simulcare, the CEO of New York Roadrunners, joined by my co-host, 2009 New York City Marathon champion, Meb Kofleski. And remember, folks, before we get into our amazing conversation with Willie Geis from NBC News, I want to remind you, there's a sweepstakes going on to give you a chance to get a bib into the 2024 TCS New York City Marathon. Just listen to our trivia question a little bit later in the show. Send us a screenshot showing you're following the podcast, and we will enter you for a chance to get a bib into the 2024 marathon. And now it's time for this week's version of Meb Minute. Each and every week, we're going to tap into Meb's mind to get a little bit of running wisdom for those of us trying to get better. Today, we're talking about hydration, obviously a key factor for any marathoner. In your career, Meb, how did you handle hydration during training, during races, what to drink, how much to drink? What was your secret? Rob, hydration is the most important thing in the race, but not you have to start hydrating way ahead of time because you don't want to be fatigued getting to the starting line. So you obviously have to hydrate beforehand, a lot of electrolytes, a lot of fluids to get you strong. So when you get to the starting line, you're feeling really strong. And during the starting line, you have to hydrate properly. For me personally, been every 5K of the marathon electrolyte, special electrolyte that I train with that I have there. And as you go on, you're going to feel sometimes it's cold weather, but don't don't stop because you still got long ways to go in the marathon. You want to keep hydrating. Don't wait until you feel dehydrated because by the time you feel that, your performance will decrease. So it's very important to hydrate before, during, and finish strong all the way through. All right. Thanks, Meb. And now we turn to our conversation with Willie Geist. And those of you listening may know Willie from his Great work at NBC News on the Sunday Today Show, as well as his work Monday through Friday, it seems, on Morning Joe. The guy works really hard. He's also written some books, and he ran the 2021 TCS New York City Marathon to benefit the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Did it in a cool time, just under four hours as well. Willie, how are you? Welcome. I'm great, Rob. It's so good to see you, Meb. You as well. I'm honored to be here. I don't know if I'm worthy of your esteemed running podcast because I'm only a one-time marathoner, but I plan to have many more if it helps my credentials. Good to be with you, Willie. I like the sound of that. I was one of the question was, I know you had done one, but one and done is not in your vocabulary. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely true. I When I trained for it and ran it, I was telling people, you know what? I just want to scratch this off the list, check the box, just do it once and walk away. And as you both know, that's not how it works. I thought it was how it worked, but I did it once. And it was such a magical, special day for me that last year. So I ran in 2021 last year during the marathon in 22, I went and watched some of it and I had the worst FOMO I've ever had in my life. I said, what am I doing on this side of the barricade? I should be in there with my people. All of a sudden, I'm, those are my people after one marathon. <laughs> uh, but I understood like, wow, what a, what a day that is. Um, and I want to have it again. So I'm not running this year. I'm still running, but not on marathon training, but I will be back for sure. All right. That's good to know. It, it's it's so true. So many people say they're just going to do it that one time <laughs> and something kicks in. You know, I really do think it's those races after where you you realize it's marathon day, you see the energy, you see the excitement. It's kind of like the retired athletes, right? When they when they're when they're no longer getting the cheers of the crowd, they they just have a hard time letting go. And so that's why they they come back like Tom Brady style. So you're you're gonna come back Tom Brady style. <laughs> We're about the same age, so we might as well just keep doing it like Tom. He'll be back too. He's taking a year off, he'll be back. 
<laughs> well, it's so great to have you. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of former colleague of yours at NBC. Yes. I see you in the makeup room once in a while. And, you know, we, we, we were together doing stuff, uh, on uh, whether it was Olympics or yeah. you know, your stuff on MSNBC. And, you know, there's just, it's, it's, we talk all the time about how many people from different walks of life have some connection to running. And so for you, you know, your connection is through the Michael J. Fox Foundation, which we want to hear more about. It was it that connection and the ability to run for the Michael J. Fox Foundation that really led you to running your first marathon? It became that, that became my motivation as I trained, but it really started for me. I have to say, I've been an athlete my whole life. I played high school football and basketball and like to think I was pretty good at it. And I've always been active, but never a runner per se. And uh, in fact, I I think it was because of treadmills. I just found it tedious. <laughs> but the truth, the truth of the matter is it was COVID. It was 2020 and it was April. And I think all of us were looking for not just something to do, but some purpose. What can I be out here doing? I, I, people like us who are active and we do things and we try to contribute in some way or have goals and it was everything was in our way. How do I get out there and do something? And for me, it was, um, I wonder if I could run a marathon. I feel like I've got all this time to train. I'm not going to be traveling. I have a pretty good sense of that, like for work. So I'm home. What could I do? Okay. And my wife said, together, we said, let's do it. Let's run a marathon. Let's give us, let's give ourselves some purpose to this. And then I thought, okay, if I'm going to do it, not only do I need some personal motivation, but I want to help somebody in the process of doing it. So my father has had Parkinson's disease for more than 30 years. Um, he's 78 now. God love him. He's doing fine. Uh, lives about 30 minutes from our house, which is so awesome. Gets to see his grandkids and and all that. And I'm on the board of the Michael J. Fox Foundation. I said, so what if I could just raise, honestly, I didn't have a huge number in mind, but just whatever I can scare up, tell people I'm running. If you want to contribute along the way, that'd be great. And so that really was, to your point, Rob, that was on the days as someone who's not a runner on the first long, for me, longer runs of multiple miles, it was like, this is hard. It's real hilly where I live in Westchester. There's no such thing as a flat run. <laughs> And it got hotter and hotter as the training continued into June and July and August. And that was it for me. I thought I would picture my dad and I would picture all the people I've met in this Parkinson's world. And I thought, that's why I'm doing it. That's why I'm doing it. And so that was ultimately, it was started with COVID. Let's have some purpose. But ultimately, the thing that drove me was to raise money for, for Michael J. Fox Foundation. And we certainly did that. Now, not only do that, you did an amazing job with it, but... Going back to your athleticism, you said, you know, in running, sometimes running is not seem cool in high school, you know, <laughs> unless you're, you know, if you're late, hey, I want to give me a lap or something <laughs> right, or right. do push up. But now you know the benefit of healthy mentally, physically and emotionally and doing for greater work. So how can we, do you think I have an idea to change that perception to be able to help people get to know running at an early stage? Well, I think it's also, I wish I'd known better back in high school. It's such a good life activity. It's something that you can continue to do. As you know, you don't have to be a, you know, Olympic medalist or have won the Boston or New York marathon as you have, but just to get out there and take care of yourself in that way. And all you have to do is put on sneakers and step out your front door. You don't need a whole bunch of equipment. You don't have to have a track or a stadium or a basketball court. Um, and the, the, for me, I think the, biggest surprise or the thing I discovered while training was just the the peace it brought me. Yes, it was difficult, but to sort of be alone with myself for increasing durations of time as the runs got longer, um, that to me was um, something I really appreciated. And particularly during that year of 2020, when it was such a difficult year for everybody, that was just a quiet, peaceful place to be and to be with myself and my thoughts and to think about my life and my goals and my kids. It was just it's a rare in our hectic lives. It was a rare space and continues to be for me, including yesterday on a run, a place where sort of, you know, no one can get to you. Your phone's not buzzing. People aren't asking you for things. It's just me and the road. And as I should point out in 2020, of course, the marathon was canceled, but I kept running and then resumed training in 2021 and ran it and in, in, in 2021 but that was to your point Meb, was for me the mental aspect was of it was just a beautiful um i don't know it was almost like 
going through some kind of therapy or some kind of uh, just a quieting of the brain that is always so busy these days? What was your perception you know, of uh, running? Because most people, when they think about running, it's sprinting. Yeah. They have to get the point A to point B as fast as they can, but that's not the case. This is your own pace, your own distance. You know, you start with a mile, you become a 5K or yes. five miles and things like that. But how do we, you know, tell people that, hey, you know, running is, is you know, when you, get, when you are in it, it's beautiful. But yeah. getting somebody out of the couch is like, well, I can't, I can't even go around the block because they think you have to sprint. That's not what running is. Right. And you're right. I mean, when I was growing up with sports, it was all sprinting. So it was in basketball, it was sprint to the spot on the floor, spot up, hit a three pointer. It was football. It was, I was a tight end, you know, run 12 yards, turn out, catch just these bursts of running. And I think what I honestly thought before I started this just a few years ago was it's not for me. It's something that people with different um, body types or lungs or whatever it is are capable of doing. And what I learned is that's absolutely not true because you're not running a marathon on your first day. I remember when we started, I ran one mile and I was excited. I have actually a picture. This was during COVID. So everything was shut down and I went and I jogged on a golf course near where we live and I ran two miles and I was so pleased with myself. I still have it. I sent my wife a selfie of me holding up a two. Like, <laughs> I ran two miles. I did, yes, I did it. Like, I've reached it. And 26 was a long way off. But to me, that was a first early goal. And I think part of that training for me was, wow, okay, I can do it. And now, I can, oh, five miles next? wow, I did five miles. And the next thing you know, you're on your 20 mile long run and you just know intellectually, I can do this. I've got it. So I think to, the, to me, the overarching theme for me about training for and running the marathon is whether it's a marathon or anything else, you can do it actually. You just have to clear some mental hurdles. You have to put in the work. That's what people, how should I do it? I'm like, dude, you have to do the training. You can't cheat the training because th you're only punishing yourself in the end. So if you, I, I really, I mean, it sounds sort of grandiose, but I really thought after that, that changed my perception, not just of running, but a lot of things like, oh, maybe I can do that. We were, <laughs> this past weekend, like two days ago, we were in Lake Placid, just on a little vacation, a weekend. And they're running the lake. I didn't realize this when I booked the trip. It was very busy. But they're running the Lake Placid Ironman on Sunday. And we were sitting at breakfast and all these like Ironman people are in there the day before. And I'm like, wow. And I'm sitting there. And purely because I was able to do the marathon, I'm sitting there doing the math. I'm like, yeah, I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if I could pull up. <laughs> and we're sitting at breakfast. And my wife is going, oh, no. She's like, here we go again. Oh, no, 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 please. No. And then I looked up and I saw the bike ride was 112 miles. And I was like, oh, no, I can't actually do this one <laughs> marathon, maybe. But a marathon, 112 and a two mile swim in the same day, probably not for me. But the fact that I even considered it was from the marathon. You know, you can do it. You know, for me with the triathlon thing, and I did an Olympic distance once, uh, which wow. was fine. But it's the swim, you know, like the idea of right. swimming two miles. I just have no interest in that. And then not to mention <laughs> no. the training that I'd have to do to swim two miles. Like I, I that, exactly. that's the thing that keeps me from even trying that. I know that is. And you, you hear two on paper. You're like, how bad could that be? And then you actually see the route and you're like, oh, wow. That's a lot, especially if you're in like the Hudson River with a current, like forget it, you know? Well, and also being a runner, you know how straight away that two mile is yes yes <laughs> then it's like uh, i don't think i could do it and then put some perspective you know but yeah yes. swimming is hard yeah i think i draw the line at the iron man <laughs> what do you remember willie about your your race day in 2021 you you ended up you said that you know obviously we got canceled in 20 ran in 21 and that was an interesting year to run it was obviously a big celebration in some ways. It was the first marathon back uh, after COVID. It was also 50th anniversary. So that was a big deal of the New York City Marathon. And it was a half field. So you, you in some ways, I, I, I picture that being kind of a, a luxurious marathon in a way because you didn't have nearly as many people to contend with, maybe a little bit easier logistically, you wouldn't have anything to compare it to. But what do you remember about race day and you know any kind of memories really stick out from that day for you? Well, I've 
I think I said the next day, and I have to be careful what I say, but I think I said it was the best day of my life. And then I quickly had to qualify, except for our wedding day. And let's see how many, we have two kids. So that's three. <laughs> I guess it was the fourth best day of my life. And it, it, it really was. And it's true what you say about the half field, because it, I remember thinking this doesn't feel um, as not chaotic, but it's, you know, you, your whole life, you grew up watching that overhead shot on the Verrazano Bridge and go, wow, that's a lot of people. And I remember getting to the start line going, this feels manageable. I can get through this pack, or at least I can run with it for a while until we separate. But um, I remember feeling like I was ready again from the training. So I didn't have the fear of, I can't do this. I think the longest run I did was 20 and a half or 21, something like that. But even with that, I remember actually training saying, why don't we run 26? I want to know I can do it. I want to know I can do it. That's crazy. Why would you not have ever done this before? And I heard all the reasons why. I still wondered maybe I should try it, but I didn't. But I did. I thought, you know what? I did all the work to get here. I followed the training to a T. I'm ready for this. And let's just, just go enjoy it now. I remember I didn't sleep very well the night before. And then I was kind of worried about that. I was up and down. I said, oh, my God, I only have, whatever, four hours of sleep. How am I going to run a marathon? It didn't matter, of course. It's all adrenaline once you get up there. I remember getting up early. Um, I remember getting there before dawn over to Staten Island. And then a lot of waiting, as you guys know. I was like, can we just go? Can we? I like Because you kind of get up for it. And then they're like, all right, you're going to get up there in two hours. And you go, oh, my God, you know. Um, I remember it was a perfect day for running. It wasn't that cold. I had too many layers, so I kind of just got rid of all those. And then um, I, it just all happened so quickly. They sang the national anthem. Some other groups went ahead of us. And then the next thing I you know, it was, it was go. And I remember thinking on that first incline on the bridge, I grew up in New Jersey, so I've seen all of these on TV my whole life. And I remember thinking, I'm running the New York Marathon. I was very like, self-aware and in the moment and i just i couldn't believe it i'm running the, i'm here i'm doing the thing that i never thought i could do that i've watched my whole life and i remember just being thrilled and kind of floating across that bridge floated probably too fast everyone says that slow down slow down so i probably sprinted across the bridge and as you say i think there was a lot of pent up because the that had been canceled the year before there was just People were happy to be out there. The streets were packed. The weather was perfect. The signs were hilarious. <laughs> and I kind of, I don't want to say I didn't want it to end because I was ready to cross that finish line. But I just remember, I just remember being, being very present and thinking, this is really, this is a privilege. And this is special to to be able to, to run on this side of the barricades and to look out at all this and to see my city this way, to run through every borough. Remember running through Brooklyn and watching the signs change from Spanish to Arabic to, you know, Chinese to Mandarin. And it was like, wow, what a city. I've lived here for so long and this is such a cool way to see it. And I don't know, I, j I could talk all day about it. It was just it really was outside of my marriage and my children. It was well, let's just say it was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh you know, you know, from two miles to running 26.2 miles in the capital city of the world, mm. the diversity that you described, that's the beauty of New York. Yeah. And to add that, the, the mass of people that came to support and that runner's high. Yes. So did that kick in uh, mile 16 with the crowd at First Avenue? And did you carry through or what do you feel like? Oh, I'm doing, I know you said I'm the bridge. I'm doing it. I'm in my city and watching it. But what was another thing that pushed you toward that finish line? Yeah, it was the crowds. I mean, it really, I mean, the, and again, the places where I'd heard eh, it thins out a little in the Bronx, it never thinned out. And I think it was because it was that special year back, you know, you got up to the Bronx and there were DJs on every corner playing music you loved and bands and people going crazy. And you, as you guys know, you need that. I mean, it's a pretty solitary exercise to, to run 26.2 miles. And I needed to hear all that and see all that. And I remember not feeling um, later I did get a little exhausted, but not feeling that exhaustion I expected because I was so lifted by the day itself. I did. I felt like I was floating along and I'd have to, I'd have to like modulate myself a little because I felt myself going too fast and you're going to get, you're going to be dead by the end. Um, but yeah, turning onto first Avenue after you come off the 59th street bridge, 
I remember the volume of it. I felt like I was at like a like a Giants game or something. It was like, where is this? Car? Oh, my gosh. I'm looking up First Avenue, all these people. And then First Avenue was the first time I saw my family, which was really special. And then they, of course, sprinted across into the park and saw me at the end, too. Um, so, yeah, First Avenue really, really is special. And crossing a bridge by foot, you don't get to do that normally. I mean, it's just such a what a way to see the, an amazing city and to appreciate the place you live in a, in a totally different way. Yeah, and no, I'm I'm the things you're saying relate back to me and my first time as well. That feeling when you're crossing the Verrazano, like, wow, I'm a New Yorker and this is my first time and I'm doing this. It's pretty amazing. So you had a, a, a very solid time, Willie, under four hours, three fifty-eight. So you made it under the four hour mark. I have was- it. I told you guys I grabbed the medal for this, which I found it. it's on the back. Three fifty-eight twenty-three. The goal was under four. So I got there. Barely. Very impressive. And I'm wondering. How much pressure there was for you, Willie, because obviously Mika and Joe are going to be watching your time, right? They're going to be <laughs> seeing how you do. And, you know, God forbid you cramp up or something and you know, oh make it to the finish line. I can only imagine what that show would have been like with, <laughs> with, with Joe and the gang giving Relentless. you, uh, you know what about not making to the finish line. So did you feel the pressure of, of, of the, your, 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 your castmates and obviously the public, your viewers all wondering how you were going to do? Well, let's just be clear. Not finishing was not an option that was <laughs> off the table. If I tore a hamstring, I would have walked or limped or done something. No, you cannot not finish. Mika's a big runner. I don't know. I want to say she's never run a marathon, but she runs like six, seven, eight miles a day. She's like, she's a big runner, but I don't know if she's ever done a marathon. I have to ask her. Mika's yeah. daughter actually is a regular runner uh, with us uh, at Roadrunner. She ran the Brooklyn Half Marathon. So the family. Yeah, there you runs. go. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're big running. Yeah. Oh, I'm, if I hadn't finished, I don't even want to entertain that idea. It would have, especially after all the buildup and I'm running for a cause. And I did feel, I don't know if it was pressure, it was, but it was motivation. Let's put it that way. Of, all the people who'd given so much money to the cause and all, all of that. But yeah, your buddies definitely would not let you hear the end of it. I had, I, there were just so many amazing moments along the way. One of which was my MSNBC colleague, Stephanie rule, who hosts the 11 PM show on MSNBC and people know well from NBC news. I was running up, um, I guess it was first Avenue, but up higher, you know, like making my way up into East Harlem. And it was kind of thin. The crowd was thin. And I was running, sort of locked in. And I see this figure jump over the barricades in a long black coat and start running onto the course, which you definitely don't encourage anyone to do. Do not do that. And I thought, what am I dealing with here? Like, I'm locked in. I can't fight my way out of a marathon right now. And this person, who only right when she got this close to my face that I finally recognize as my friend, jumped into my arms you can look at it i think it's on youtube and wrapped her legs around me as her husband and two sons were standing over on the railing go willie i was like are you out of your mind (laughs) so i was i thought i was being attacked at first and then suddenly (laughs) was so happy to see my friend and she did like in a weird way though again we don't want to encourage anyone to ever do that you will be arrested by the new york police department um (laughs) she did gave me like a little boost that i needed at at that point so there were a lot of friends i didn't even expect to see along the way who were there and people i didn't know who had signs and all that energy matters and all the stuff they say about the new york city marathon is true it's unlike any other to see that great city that way and to feel so many people supporting you it was just it was magic pure magic for me Volvo Cars is proud to be the official vehicle of the 2023 TCS New York City Marathon. Leading the way as the official pace car is the new Volvo EX30. This small, fully electric SUV is designed to be safe for people and the planet with a smaller CO2 footprint than any Volvo car ever before. To celebrate, Volvo is offering a special offer on the purchase or lease of a new Volvo that's just for runners who complete the TCS New York City Marathon. Visit Volvo Cars Manhattan Studio after the race for a complimentary metal engraving, a photo with the official pace car, and to learn more about how you can claim your discount for your next Volvo. That's a great offer from the friends that we've got over at Volvo. 
All right, now it's time for what I know will be one of everyone's favorite parts of Set the Pace, our 2024 TCS New York City Marathon giveaway. We'll be giving away three bibs to next year's race sporadically between now and this year's marathon. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe so you don't miss your chance to gain a coveted complimentary entry to the 2024 TCS New York City Marathon. Here's how it's going to work. We're going to ask a trivia question. You'll send your answer along with a screenshot proving that you have subscribed to Set the Pace and left a rating to the email address nyrrpodcast at nyrr.org. That's nyrrpodcast at nyrr.org. Today's question, it's an easy one if you've been listening to the show. How many career marathons has my co-host Meb Kofleski run? Go ahead and send your answer along with that screenshot proving you've subscribed and left a rating to NYRR podcast at nyrr.org. A winner will be randomly selected on Thursday, September 14th. All rules surrounding this sweepstakes are available at nyrr.org slash set the pace. The support of the crowd and running for something greater and coming to Central Park. Mm. What was that feeling like for you? You know, I always say run to win. It doesn't mean getting first place by getting the best out of yourself. And yes. to do that, walk us through that moment. What was that joy? Say, hey, I, I was running two miles, honey. And then now I'm mm. finishing in Central Park, the marathon, the TCS New York City Marathon. What was that like, feeling like? I know. I'm almost like getting emotional as you talk about it because I'm remembering that coming up Fifth Avenue. I was, that was my hardest moment, I guess the mile or so before that. I had, there are things I learned that I would maybe do differently with equipment, but I w- had was so sweaty that I had like salt caked in my eyes. I couldn't see. I, if I open my eyes, it hurt so bad. So before I got to the you know the top of the park, there was a medical tent, and they said, "Are you okay?" I said, "I'm okay. I just need a towel with water on it." And so I just wiped my eyes, and I finally could open them again. I was running with my eyes closed. And you don't realize your whole life traveling down Fifth Avenue that it's uphill at that point. In a taxi, you don't feel it, right? But uphill from 110th climbing Fifth Avenue. And I was definitely hurting at that point. And someone came on the course and said, there's somebody, If when you get up to your left, somebody wants to say hi to you. And I said, okay, and I'm just dragging. And I looked over and Michael J. Fox himself, I was running for the Fox Foundation, had stepped out of his apartment and he was standing in the street and he had a, I'll never forget it, a leather jacket on. He was standing there with his cane and his wife, Tracy, and a group of other people. And I saw him and I got tears in my eyes and I sprinted over to him, gave him a big sweaty hug that he probably wished I hadn't given to him. I noticed as I reached to hug Tracy, she was like, okay, oh, this is a lot. This is three and a half hours of sweat. I don't need on me right now. But they were amazing to come out and support me. And that was the energy I needed. And so that was right before I turned into the park. And then I had another, this is going to sound crazy, but I had another piece of business, which was a dear friend of mine was getting engaged and asked me to help in the proposal that marathon day. So what happened was a friend of ours, this is going to sound totally insane, but I swear this happened. This was all planned. As I turned into the park, my friend waving, Willie, Willie, hands me a a Dunkin' Donuts bag. Inside the bag with the munchkins is an engagement ring. So I take it from him. I run about a quarter of a mile down to where my friend who's getting engaged is with his soon to be fiance. She doesn't know this is happening. And they say, hey, and I saw them. I give him a high five. And I just casually said to my friend, Cyan, we throw this out. Some guy just handed this to me. I don't know what this is. And then I kept running. He takes the Dunkin Donuts bag. They walk up to the reservoir in Central Park. He opens the bag, pulls out the ring and proposes to her. So with everything else I had going on in my mind, I had to execute this engagement. It was I had a lot. Now that I think about it, I had a lot to do that day. It was a very busy day. You know, I've never heard of a story like that before. <laughs> I've heard of people and I've seen people propose at the finish line. I mean, we, we've, we've had runners where the runner proposes to another runner at the finish line, but I've never heard of a runner being used as a prop <laughs> mid-race for someone the, else's proposal. The original pitch was to carry it the whole race. And I was like, I don't want that on me. Whatever you paid for this ring, you don't want, I don't want that on. So this was the compromise. And he had my friend who proposed had a PDF of where all here's where everyone will be. And you'll stop here and hand it to me here. I was like, okay, 
I was like, I hope I remember. I don't know what state I'm going to be in. So my friend was like out in the on the course. Really? So I did that. But the the combination of that moment that I knew I had to execute and the the hug from Michael J. Fox, I I got to And then being in the park, of course, I got this second or third or fourth wind. And I did look down at my watch and I'd sort of when I got so tired back there, almost conceded that four hours maybe wasn't going to happen. And then after I did the uh, the engagement bit, I looked at the watch and I was like, hmm, if I turn it on here, I might be able to do it. And that was all I needed. And then I sprinted. And again, you get to Central Park South. Somehow that's uphill. I Everything's up. What's what is it? Why is that uphill? What happened there? I thought I didn't. In my mind, it's a beautiful flat road, but it's not. And then um, I just was going on adrenaline and I saw the clock and I was like, I got to get under four hours. And I did. And um, thanks to the good people at the NYRR, my wife was at the finish line and I didn't expect that. And they uh, I gave her a big hug and got in under four. And it was such a thrill to even be a part of it, let alone to finish strongly for me under four hours. Congratulations on a huge achievement. I mean, to say maybe possibly training 26.2 miles in training, you had a lot on your plate. So you have to, you know, get a lot of training going. But I know you had some great experiences and memorable moments. How was that co-authoring a book with your dad? Oh, man, co-authoring the book with my dad was fun. It was called Good Talk Dad. Um, and it was the idea of it was that we sort of never had the big father-son talks you're supposed to have at least out loud he's sort of by example i followed him but we never sat down and said here are the birds and the bees and here's this and here's that so in a humorous way we went back not, i was at the time i don't know 40 years old or something like that and <laughs> sat down and finally had the talks with my dad retroactively after the fact um and that was such a blast and really what that was was just us getting the stories of our life down in a book in a chapter that my my kids can open up and and read and say oh this is these are this is kind of the story of my family because it's my my dad and me but it's also my sister and my mom and our grandparents it's the story of our lives so that was a really um really cool thing to be able to do and um i also recommend collaborating with your dad on a book because you only have to write half a book which is a nice uh a nice little <laughs> nice little trick to the trade um but yeah it was um it was so much fun and then to go out and promote the book with my dad and we're doing interviews together it was amazing it was great and part of the book is you know his parkinson's disease which is what the marathon was for so um but that was that was cool i've written three books and that was by far the the most fun because i got we were just trading chapters back and forth it was amazing and you know people if, if they don't know maybe they know you from all of your work at nbc news but you know your dad Bill Geist, great writer. And, you know, I, I read his book, A Walk in the Woods, uh, back when it first came out. It was a huge hit. Uh, and, and one of the funniest things still to this day I've ever read. Um, it's, it's good to hear he's doing well. Uh, you yeah. Know, it's not easy to live with Parkinson's as long as he has, but, you know, how is he doing? And, and how did he uh, take in your, your, your marathon accomplishment? Yeah, he was a correspondent also at CBS News for a long time, which is how a lot of people know him. And he wrote for the Chicago Tribune and the New York Times. And as you said, he's written a whole bunch of books. And he um, he was I think he was really moved by it. one of the great it, it was a little bit too chaotic to get him there to the finish line. But he was at my um, apartment afterward, which is not far from the finish line. And to go, I went I walked upstairs in the apartment and put my medal, this medal right here. I went up and put it around his neck and we have a picture of me putting it around his neck and it was for him. And I had written on my arm in Sharpie. I just wrote dad on there. Cause as you guys know, you hit moments where you go, I don't think this is going to happen. <laughs> I know I've trained, but this is, this, this isn't great. And then you look down and you go, Oh, right. You know, he's been through a million times more than I'm going through today. So here's your motivation. So he, I think he was, um, he was proud and i think he was also moved because the truth is every dollar i raised which was over a half a million dollars and i should say it was all small donations there were no big no corporation gave me 25 grand or 50 it just didn't, didn't write you a check for 100k well you know it would have been nice <laughs> if there was a little matching in there for next time maybe i they didn't pick up on all the hints i dropped um, but they were all 
you know, I just posted it on my social media and people would say, my father had Parkinson's. Thank you for doing this. Here's $5. Or my, my husband died with Parkinson's. Here's $15. It was so moving to the next day and the days after just scroll up and see all these small donations and that it moved that many people. And the truth is I, I was the one running, but that was for my dad. It was people who love my dad. And they say, I see my sister and my brother and my father, my mom in your dad. And I think it was the goodwill that he earned over all of his years in, mm. in public life that I think really drove so much of that. So I think he was moved by the fact that that many people wanted to help him and other Parkinson's patients like him. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, knowing, having watched your dad and known, know, knowing his his persona and how people felt about him, I'm not surprised at all. So it's a great story. Willie, I'm always curious for people who run that first marathon, you know, what you learned about yourself in that process. You know, I mean, the the perseverance you have to have, the the ability, the, the discipline you have to have to get through it uh, as a, as a one-time marathoner, are there things you take from that still today? I mean, it's been you know, a couple of years, whether it's in your, your professional life or your personal life or whatever, what, what, what were the things that you got for you out of that? I think don't underestimate yourself. And I think um, I, something like I'm not a runner is a cop-out. And maybe that was what I was telling myself because running seemed hard. And that that was for some other people who are runners and they go running all the time. Well, you can, the the truth, I think what I really learned, it's like back to the Iron Man example, which is now so much more seems possible, you know, and it's not just physical things. It's taking big swings and, okay, I was able to do a marathon. I never thought I could do that. What else can I do? Can I write a TV show or a book? It's like, I think it's a mentality of swing, take that swing, you know? And I think the lesson I learned is you can do it. And I think my wife has said this too. It was a good example. I wasn't thinking of this when I did it. A good example to our kids. You know, I have two teenagers. Um, they weren't both teenagers then, but it was just they watched me get up and do that run four times a week or whatever it was and come back and say, I ran 15 miles today. And they go, wow, we didn't. We've known you two years ago, you never ran and you're mm -hmm. telling me you just ran 15 miles, you know, <laughs> yeah. two years later. Like, I think so. I still it, walking. Me, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it told me not to put limits on myself. And I think I wanted to be a good example, whether I knew it or not, to my kids that that, that they should be the same way. And that and I, my daughter now is interested. She just turned 16. She wants to run, I think, the Brooklyn half next year. She has her eyes on that. She's running more. Um my son is, you know, they're active and they're athletes anyway, but I think running is now, they see it as a life skill. Oh, dad's almost 50 and he can get up and go out and do all that stuff. This is something I can carry with me. It's not just a high school sport. It's not just cross country. This is a life skill. And I think a life gift to be able to go out there and anyone can do it. Nobody's timing you when you go out for a run in your neighborhood, just go run a mile, go run around the block. And it's just, like I say, it's good for you, but it's in your physical body. But as Meb said, it's good for you up here too, without question. It's very clarifying. Um, in jobs like ours, I wake up super early in the morning. You kind of hit a little valley somewhere in the middle of the day where you feel exhausted. Where in the past, I might have said, I'll, I don't know, watch something on Netflix or I'll take a nap. Now, my instinct is to go for a run because mm -hmm. I know that's going to get me back up. And it always does. And that's something I did not know. Or maybe I'd heard people say that and not believed them that that's that's more than the runner's high that's a physiological benefit of i'm exhausted right now and it's kind of counterintuitive i'm exhausted but i'm going to go do more work and it always helps you know i take the run no matter how long or short it is i get a shower and i'm back and i'm ready for the rest of the day so it's been total gift i tell people you know, the hardest part about running is lacing those shoes up and once you yeah. get out of the door you usually don't regret it but what was the, you know, challenges in terms of training for you? Were there a moment to say, hey, I, I don't know if I could do this because as a first time marathons, we question ourselves. But has there ever been a moment for you in training or did you get competitive with somebody in the park? <laughs> what was that feeling? You know what the crazy thing is? I didn't train with anybody. My wife, when we started training, she hurt her knee and she tapped out. So she, So it was just me. And again, it was COVID. So you were sort of not 
going to see groups of people to run with. And he, and I carried that um, with me the next year when I finally, when it was the marathon year of 2021, which is I would just go run by myself. And I think the, the big challenge at the beginning for me was the number at the end seemed so big, 26 miles, because at that point, five miles felt like, I don't know if I can do five, how am I going to do 26 miles? And the, the answer is you're not running 26 the first day you're building toward it. And you've got, if you do the training, right, you're building exactly how you need to build to get to that. And you, you look at that, you know, I had the grid, the training grid up on in our kitchen on the wall. And, you know, the first weeks were two and three miles and all that. And I remember I would always wander down a few weeks and go, oh, my God, I'm going to run 18 miles someday. That's, just, <laughs> that's inconceivable to me. But there it was. And it did happen. And I got to 20 and then eventually got to 26. So I think for me, sometimes it was I didn't have those other people saying, hey, we're going for our run today. It was always back to me. Um, but I found place sometimes, like I said, where I live, it's very hilly. And so those days could be tough. But I found something that people should know about if they don't know. It's called the Empire State Trail, which was just finished, I think, in 2020, maybe. And it's basically an old rail line that runs all the way from the border with Canada in New York State down to New York City. I think it's like 700 miles. It's paved. It can be hilly in some points, but generally it's pretty flat. It's a railway line. And I discovered this thing up in Westchester. And you can go up as far in New York as you want to and get a beautiful run. It's in the woods. And you could run, you know, theoretically for 700 miles, but you can get your long run done in there. So I found the Empire Trail, which was a life changer for me because it got me off the same routine of things around my house that were long and hilly yeah, and started to get yeah. redundant and exhausting. And Change I found this place that, that saved it totally. Change of scenery is huge because the the, the mental strain of yes. seeing the same thing over and over again. We we talked to some guy once who, you know, ran we had a guest who ran something like a half marathon around a quarter mile track. Oh no. Which I, I just could not no. believe the no. mental strength that that would take to do something like that. You know what? I did that once at the high school near our house and I thought this can't be so bad. And I think I got to two miles and I was like, I'm done. I can't <laughs> do this again. Cause that two miles would be, I don't know, 16 times, something like that. Yeah. And I was like, Nope, this does not work. This, this is, is like a, this is torture. Willie, I don't want to let you go before we talk a little bit about the Michael J. Fox Foundation. You you obviously had this incredible experience raising half a million dollars for them. You're on the board. Um, we know, of course, it is uh, all about helping uh, deal with the disease of Parkinson's disease. Tell me, tell us about what what the the foundation does and you know how people can support it. We found it when my dad needed a little more help. He he'd had he lived with Parkinson's for about 20 years. It was very slow moving. If you can call someone with Parkinson's lucky, he was because he continued to work full time and travel and be on television and all that. And then he got to a point where he needed a little more help and this was the best known obviously in the world organization for um for research, but also just an outlet of they can help you. Okay, who's the doctor I want to see? What should we be doing at this point? And should we be getting care and in the house and all those physical therapy, all those kind of things? They just, they're the most wonderful, saintly people in the world. And they do such great work. And it starts with Michael, Michael J. Fox, who's just been a total hero to so many of us showing life goes on. You have, you have this disease that you didn't want to have, but what are you going to do? And he just picks himself up every day and continues to live and be such a great example, but beyond that, using his celebrity and his platform to raise more than a billion dollars for research. And so what they do is they fund all these studies, they hire doctors and researchers, and they're relentless in doing that. And so to think that I could contribute in some relatively small way to someday, hopefully in this generation, finding a cure, they're not going to have it in time for my dad, but maybe for my son's generation that we can just, it's such a scourge and it's so cruel and it takes so much from people. In Michael's case, he was 29 when he was diagnosed. My dad was 47, relatively young. Um, and it is, it's just, it's cruel. Um, and so anything I can ever do to help the Fox foundation, it was the first group that popped to mind with this 
with this marathon run, I just wanted to give back in some way because in ways direct, whether you can call them and they'll help you and indirect just by being an example that there's someone out there trying to fix this and you can live with it like Michael does. Um, I wanted to try to help them. So they are an extraordinary organization, the best in the world. And we're so lucky to have a, a relationship with them. Yeah. And so it's one of the things about the TCS New York City Marathon that, you know, I'm so proud of, you know, as CEO of the organization that we're all so proud of here is what an impact that race has on so many causes like this. You know, we yeah. over $55 million for charities last wow. year, right? And wow. it is, which is incredible. And, you know, it's so many of them are, you know, bibs that are given to these organizations and they raise 3,000, 3,500, 5,000. And then every once in a while, we get a story of a superstar fundraiser <laughs> who does something incredible like what you did for the Michael J. Fox Foundation, which makes us so happy. Um, so it's really the perfect marriage, right? Between the inspiration that the marathon is in itself, right? And then you add that layer of inspiration when people are running for causes like this. And so it, it just brings so much together. And, and, you know, Willie, I think it's one of the reasons why so many people come out on marathon day to cheer people on. Did you, do you have any, anyone who recognized you that day? Did you get some yells from the crowd? Oh yeah. I know oh, you I, Morning Joe. Oh, for sure. In fact, they came prepared with, with signs, but I, I do want to say that the, the road runners was so instrumental and helpful. And cause again, I was starting from totally flat footed. How do I do this in here's some training. Here's team Fox. Michael J Fox foundation has their running group affiliated with us. And you guys are so good, especially for a first timer like me, who does no idea what to expect. Where do I begin with this? What gear do I need? And Stuart from your organization was just a heroic, um, to help me through all that. So I want to make sure I say that, but for sure there were people out there yelling. Um, I had a really funny moment that I, I think it's fair to share, which was I was running through Brooklyn and I was kind of, as my wife said, imagine what your time would be if you weren't acting like you were running for mayor. I was having so much fun. I was running and high-fiving everyone. I was not like dialed in like Neb would be if he were trying to win the marathon. Um, but I was high-fiving these people <laughs> And a woman just impulsively gave me a little smack on the butt. And so I said, oh, okay. So she nudges me along. So that's in Brooklyn. A couple hours later, I'm into Central Park. The same woman has come into Central Park and kind of steps into the court. She goes, Willie, I just want to say, I smacked your butt in Brooklyn. I'm so sorry. That was inappropriate. And good luck. We're all cheering for you. <laughs> it was like, it was so surreal. So, yes, there were signs and then occasionally people smacking me on the rear end. <laughs> you know, running the New York City Marathon is a special, uh, has so many great things, the crowd, uh, purpose, whether you're going for foundation or winning the race, they're there to support you. And, and I remember my first marathon, I, was, I wanted to drop out. I just was having a tough, tough, tough day. But the people there, they won't let you. You know, yes. then I said, hey, you know, take a breather, but get back in there and push into that finish line because it, it is important to them as is important to you or the for the cause that you're running for. Yeah. And we just thrilled to have you here and be able to just share your story. I know you're not one and done, but, you know, having run the TCS New York City Marathon and especially after the COVID means so much, not only to you, but to us and inspiration to you know, keep, get at it. You know, sometimes it seems like, oh, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I'm a runner. But yes. your platform you have used to be able to just inspire people is monumental. Yeah, thank you. Well, I, I feel inspired by people like you who do it in times that blow my mind. And I'm like, wait a minute, he did it twice as fast as me? How does that even work? But um, I, I, I feel like I was given a gift by becoming a runner. I mean, I ran five miles yesterday back on those hills and now it's summer and it's you know the air is so thick and it's but even as difficult as that was running up and down those hills and the humidity i was i felt better afterward i spent some time with myself for 30 minutes or however long that took me and it's just i really feel like it's a gift that i wouldn't have if i hadn't mm -hmm. taken this leap and tried to run a marathon and i'm so so glad i did 
And I think the Marathon Day itself is not only the best of New York City. I really believe that. I think it's the best of humanity. I think we're all out there supporting each other. We're all running for causes. We're happy to see each other. We encourage somebody who looks like they're down. We lift each other up. We celebrate achievements. And anybody who's ever done it knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I encourage anybody... I, this is what I've said now, now that I'm the old wise man, having run one marathon. I'm like, if you're thinking about doing it, just do it. You know, you don't you don't have to run it in four hours or five hours. Run it in however long you can run it. I've got a friend of Chanel Jones, who's an anchor on the Today Show as well. She's d- just running this year for the first time, and she's found her cause, and she's training now. And um, I feel so happy for her because I know what's on the other side of all that training on that magical, beautiful day in November. And frankly, I'm a little jealous. So I think I'll be back next year. That's one of our goals with this podcast is to take people who say they're one and done and turn them into uh, repeat marathon runners. Once you've talked to Meb, it's kind of hard not to want to run again. It uh, is. So we're, we're going to get I'm on the record with you guys. There's no turning back. I have to <laughs> kind of have to do it again, but I'm excited. I have to say I'm excited to do it again. It'll be a thrill. Maybe I'll get like, 357 instead of 358. Hey, PR. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. PR. Willie, it's been so great to have you. I I, I did it. I promised Stu Lieberman, our press guy, who you, you mentioned uh, earlier, yeah. wouldn't that I wouldn't get into politics on this podcast <laughs> as much as I wanted to talk to you about all the stuff you guys talk about on Morning Joe. We avoid Thank you for a break for 45 <laughs> minutes from my life. This has been wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Great having you. I know we'll see you out there on the roads. We'll see you in races and can't wait to see you again at the finish line of the TCS New York City Marathon. Willie Geist, great having you. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode of Set the Pace. A great conversation with Willie Geist. Love talking to him. Hope everybody enjoyed it as much as Meb and I did. Remember, folks, there's still a chance to get into the 2024 TCS New York City Marathon by playing our Set the Pace sweepstakes. Just send in a screenshot showing that you're following the show and answer the trivia question you heard earlier on, and we will give you a chance to get right into the 2024 marathon. All right, that's a wrap. Hope to see you next week. On Set the Pace, remember, follow, tell your friends. We'll see you next time. The Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research has a single urgent goal, eliminating Parkinson's disease in our lifetime. In its short history, their work has transformed the understanding of Parkinson's disease, jump-started drug development, and launched a global expansion of available treatments to meet patients' medical needs and help them live better with the disease. Learn how you can help speed a cure at michaeljfox.org.